0: all right well i reckon that's a good place for us to begin how's everyone doing this evening good good cool how are you guys yeah not too bad not too bad how's uh the week been brian anything interesting it's come up?
1: pretty good yeah uh we got a surprise long listing for a pretty nice international design award last week which is exciting oh huh? um I entered the, the collaboration table that I did for John Wardle in Clover in the mm, Design Awards, right. and it's made the last 20 projects on it, I think, which is pretty fun, um, a bit unexpected. It's a worldwide design. Thing. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, like, so then the long list goes to a short list, and then the short list goes to winners. And, um, yeah, cool. I'm pretty sure I can already tell you who the winner is. And he's a former guest on the show
0: oh Ooh, yeah so
1: Arthur Arthur Seigneur, um straw marketry Frenchman
0: the straw we'll guy get, that's get right the,
1: yeah. yeah we'll have to get the episode number but he's done this incredible cabinet collaboration with uh Adam Goodrum another another Aussie designer which is just something else uh so yeah we'll post some photos of it on our um on our Instagram and maybe link back to the previous episode might be a mm. good way to activate the old Instagram um mm. sorry but, so when's uh, the short listing
0: when do you find I think out? it
1: happens in september i think okay yeah yeah but like i said it's pretty pretty tough to even make the long list on it <laughs> um yeah and yeah just been really really busy so it's good, good. um very much how's looking it? forward to you winter talk- finishing because i'm a bit fed up of it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um how's what well? sorry joe you were talking uh
2: last time about actually it could have been in the episode that i screwed (laughs) up destroyed um (laughs) you were talking about the coffee table the chad top coffee table that you're working on and how quickly you were able to get through it the second time and how has that
1: progressed is it like over and done now um so it's kind of it doesn't really have a deadline so it's kind of right i've been taking so pushing yeah pushing like back. i've been taking it home and weaving a bit every <laughs> night and then being attacked by the cat halfway through uh, <laughs> and then my son getting in the way of it so yeah it's been but it's definitely been a lot quicker like i think it was the episode that got lost talking about the jig the jig making and making the jigs to do all the tenons and the shaping of the frame um has taken hours off the piece so yeah, that's that's pretty if exciting. If you had
2: uh, a straight run at it now, mm-hmm. how how fast could you go Monday to Friday or something like that? Or
1: uh, I reckon it would probably be about forty, forty five hours. But obviously with glue time and cure times, probably forty five hours yeah. over three weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. way yeah. probably, I think I would have spent double the time on the first one um the time mm-hmm. included in, in the jig making and stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um awesome. Yeah, about to install some shelves, just waiting on the final hardware to arrive from the States. Um Yeah, lots on. Lots on. How about you, Joe?
2: Um I've finally being able to get into the site where it's a massive, actually, I'm, I'm not sure massive, but architectural as the, the, the word, this house is like right on, um, uh, beachfront next to these giant sand dunes. And I've, I've made all the cabinetry, a lot of the cabinetry for it. And it's been sitting around for months, waiting for the flooring to actually get down and be finished. And, and now we're on the home stretch. So I'm on that job this week. And that's, um, that's the
1: birch ply one that you posted to your Instagram. Yeah. yeah it looks, it looks fantastic
2: picture of the so essentially we've made a hallway into the master bedroom via the cabinetry and the the wall is a brick wall that's curved and we've followed the curve with the cabinetry around to create a, like a pathway into the into the main room and um, so that's kind of what, what excited me about that job and I've done two other bedrooms which are more straightforward square boxes um, but I'm also going to be tomorrow installing these giant walnut Triple bifolding TV cabinets that kind of hang off a wall. So that's going to be a fun. Fun <laughs> day. <laughs>
0: How about you, Robin? Uh not obviously not very much woodworking. But what I have been looking into is with my move back to Townsville next year. Um, I'm looking into the idea of potentially renting a commercial property, or at least at least you know getting my head in that space. Everything that I'm coming up, or everything that I'm finding that's coming up, is around 25k per annum mm-hmm. for a small shop. Is that about right? How much square meterage? Uh, Over 100? It's, yeah, they're around 200, the ones that I'm finding.
1: Yeah.
2: That's about
0: that right. I'd say, okay. I'd, say,
1: I'd say in Melbourne, you'd probably round that up to nearly 30.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just I, it's funny because we've had so many people on the show talking about this but I've never really paid attention to figures because they mean nothing in my life. Yeah. But now just the thought of if I wanted to go down that that, that road having to ma- have a a defined profit to cover that rent. 500 a week. First. Yeah. And this <laughs> yeah. is coming from someone who's been able to have the luxury of a home workshop. It's going to be a really hard thing to 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 make the move to that really really tough yes
2: finding the finding the overheads is the yeah the problem
0: for all small businesses I think because Joey you would have started in a, a home workshop right I think we've talked about this yeah, yeah. Brian yeah. have you always been in a, a a rental
1: yeah always been in a rental
0: so that's part of your you. that's where your head's at permanently it's just it's a cost that's yeah
1: pretty much hmm
0: yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> sometimes. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm looking because it's, it's, um, I'm in two minds because I can either look at when I get back to Townsville to get a bigger property with a bigger mortgage and put a nice big shed on it and work from home, or yeah. keep the little three bed house that we have. That's, you know, it's almost halfway paid off. Keep that and then put the money into uh, commercial property, and then there's kind all this other. Kind of where I'm up right now as
2: well.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, the good thing with leasing the 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 upside is that you don't you're not responsible for all the up, upkeep of the building and stuff which can become very expensive mm. very quickly if it's an older building suddenly something happens and you have to put a new roof on it you know there's 20 grand whereas um, you may be kicked out if you had to get a new roof put on because <laughs> you know it just may not work mm. but um, if you can Work out the overheads so you can just be be earning that, whatever it is, $500 a week minimum mm. just to keep you in that position.
1: Um, or you just split a space, find another maker and go yeah. in halfers yeah. and that sort of yeah. relieves yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be the way to do it. There's yeah. a
0: potential opportunity there, but I don't know where it'll be in, in March. But uh, anyway. But yeah, yeah so that's, uh, yeah, that's... interesting that's interesting. Uh, that, this could turn into something that might be a topic for the show in the future. Yeah, yeah. And... Speaking of the show, we have another guest for everyone tonight. All the way from Melbourne, Victoria. I feel like probably at least fifty percent of our guests are from from Victoria. That's we uh, haven't had a Melbourneian th- on in, a, in at least two shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to welcome to the show Nick Atkins. How are
3: you this evening? Ah. Uh, Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I've got to say, a little bit nervous. Not sure exactly uh, what I have to bring to the party. You know, it's it's. I've listened to a few, and yeah, I'll uh, hopefully bring my A game and uh, <laughs> provide a bit of interest for you. Tall tales. About <laughs>
0: well, looking just a very quick look look over your um, Instagram feed, I think there's a fair bit that you're going to be able to bring to this to the show this evening. So, with that in mind, why don't you? give us a bit of a background on, on what you do, and for everyone um, who's potentially in a similar situation, how did you get to this place?
3: Well, uh, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's a bit of a story. So um, I, I run a business down in Docklands in one of the last uh, sheds there. We have about um, 1,350 square meters there. Um, one of the old sheds has plenty of great ventilation and birds to boot it comes through the roof (laughs) but it's called the Victorian Wooden Boat Centre and it was originally started by my grandfather um, in the early 90s Um, so I am 33 now so that was uh, about the same age as me I think it was 88 I was born so uh, I find myself in an interesting position to take up the mantle. A few years ago, my grandfather retired, said, "Right, next month, business is yours, and it's yours. your problem." Oh. I'm, I'm moving down to Port Ferry, so uh, yeah, <laughs> make something out of it. That's exciting. Um, and Jeez. I've been working with him for quite a long time um, we do a real mix of things. My grandfather really, um, you know, his his love affair for uh, designing and, and stuff came from when he was pulled out of school in England. And he started a printing press apprenticeship, taught himself to read on the job. And then that sort of evolved over the years into publishing and then graphic design. And then when he immigrated out to Australia many years later, he taught... Um, graphic design and that lent into industrial design. And then eventually he had enough of that and uh, indulged himself fully in boat building. He'd always been an amateur boat builder, but um, him and his son, my uncle started boat building, um, yeah, in the early nineties in Victoria Dock there in a shed that no longer exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. Bo- and so we've been in the current, current shed for about 17 years. Um, which is pretty crazy to think about because uh, when he moved into the first shed, they said, look, don't spend any money. We're <laughs> going to develop the whole of Docklands. You're going to be out of here in six months. Wow. You know, and he was there for, like, I don't know, 12 years or something. And then with the... So,
2: is, is there a potential with your current building that it's going to go or is it being Oh, undoubtedly, Undoubtedly. The whole of Docklands so? is,
3: is being developed into apartments mostly. And the oh, wow. The last wharf there is actually um, signed, sealed, and delivered to basically be more apartments and be built up. Um, But they can't build apartments on the wharf, so there's a lot of talk about um, uh, community orientated spaces and activities along the waterfront. On the wharf, the shed will go, but yeah, you know, so there is a bit of hope there. That's it's kind of depressing, (laughs) isn't it? This awesome old building that's actually doing what it should be doing. Well, our shed's not actually heritage listed. You know, it's not uh, one of the original sheds. It's an old shed, but it's not an original. So um, okay. they're looking to restore the original facade and the pitching that used to be there. And um, yeah, they've, they've talked about it. And we've been on the master plan for the redevelopment for quite a number of years because they really love what we do. We do mostly sort of amateur, well, pre-pandemic and the, the L word. We uh, did a lot of um, mostly amateur courses. We bring people in and uh you know sort out a project and help them build it um and aside from that used to do a bit of heritage woodwork for uh like luna park used to re- rebuild the scenic railway um yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a mixed bag um yeah boat builders as a whole you know um it's, it's a bit of an interesting take if you would ask me what i do it's it's like i, I just kind of indulge myself really um but does so was did you actually get to the point
2: where you go joe how did you get to the point where Grandad said you, you know what you're doing enough? It's yours. How, how much time had you had there?
3: Well it's uh, it was an interesting thing. Um, I did school, um, didn't have any idea what I was going to do, my grandfather was like look you're, uh, you're never going to work here. You can come <laughs> here uh, after school and on weekends because my father lived up north so I, I didn't see him much but I spent a lot of time with my older brother and my grandfather. And my uncle, um, down the docks there, we used to build little little boats and do lots of little things. And I just had this free form sort of childhood of just making things. And my grandfather, not being strictly from a background of traditional boat building, he's all about the process. And one of his favourite quotes was, "If I have to tell you, I might as well do it myself."
1: Yeah. <laughs> so is he fully is that, he
3: fully, fully self taught
1: Nick? Like, it, learned from books or learned from TAFE or how did he how did he
3: learn? Um, he'd always been like uh, learning uh, boat building um, and he was an avid reader um, and so he's read just about every boat book on the face of yeah. the planet so know, um, yeah, there was always always something more he was a fountain of knowledge and he was always a really good storyteller very good with people very good with teaching so I'd always tag along we used to do night classes used to run um, like a Troubled youth programs with the justice system and other things where you bring groups of people in and you teach them as another one of these expressions. It's not what you teach about boat building. It's what you teach through it. Mm -hmm. And there's a a lot of a lot of very, you know, uh, great cliches that go along with that. Um, But there is there is a definite satisfaction in being able to see your day's efforts materialize in front of you. But the hard thing with boats is because it's such a long journey to get to the first step. So traditional boats is a, is a very difficult topic to try to bring young people and new people into because uh, I'd say it's the iPhone generation. Unless it's a touch screen, it's hard to get that that instant gratification that they get through these these apps and devices and you know horrible things like TikTok. Yeah terrible things so like that's it's an it.
2: interesting uh, point of view yeah so but. it's
3: really changed the entire market it used to be a lot of uh, middle-aged and retiring people would come in and they'd want to build boats and would occasionally build boats commercially or bring bigger projects in and do maintenance and stuff like that but he really had a love of little boats and and trying new ideas and concepts we're always doing something new um, and yeah, a big part of what I do now is all digital. Um, I'm really into CNC cutting and drawing. Um, my first drawing project was the Lunar Park sign back in, I think it was 2011. Um, and yeah, and it was funny because my grandfather was a bit frustrated and he was like trying to work out how to get the project going. And, and I'd been working the workshop for a few years there full time after he promised me I'd never get a job and um i said well what's the matter with this you know this big exciting thing we're going to do he's like oh we've got to draw it up on the computer and it's it's really hard and i said well do you want want me to try and he goes can you do it and i said i don't know i've never (laughs) tried so i gave it a go and since then i i draw everything i do in rhino and it was a really interesting transition having built boats traditionally growing up so that like by the age of 10 i was building classic small clinker boats um being so familiar with the material meant that it was quite easy for me to pick up a new tool set, if that makes sense. Because with boat building, you know the, the fundamental thing, and this is the hard part with amateur boat building, is the first thing you do is take a, a grid of numbers, a set of offsets, and then you loft it out, scale on a wall or a floor. And then you have to 3D conceptualize and fair it. Because there's no way that traditional plans were ever correct. You know How could someone on paper make this beautiful flowing fair object? Because boats mm. are all, all curves. So you'd have to do that and you'd fare it and, and you know, batten it off the wall. You'd have your favorite battens and stuff and then you'd take templates off and set it up and it was such a long process. And so off the back of drawing up the Luna Park sign to get it consistent um, from photos, you know, heritage and all, I uh, then started designing um, or drawing for build uh clinker kits and stuff like that for you know grandfather always said it has to be a better way it has to be a better way we can't we can't keep doing this this takes six months to you know build a little boat so yeah we just kept that's, pushing it
2: i love that i love that your granddad was so forward thinking yeah, yeah it's, 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 like it's quite amazing what most uh, you know it's it's not what you tend to hear um, so i think that's that's so awesome
3: He was always willing to try something new and he was always preferring to not tell me how someone else did something. So, you know, figure (laughs) it out. If I got really stuck, yeah, he'd come along and would try something. But he was always really super progressive Um, and he was always keen. I think the whole thing for him was just a journey of discovery with everything we did. That's cool. You you want to see the plan
1: sets, Joey? Um, They are incredible. They look like... I think you've drawn some stylistic things from traditional boat building plans.
3: I've, I've taken a lot of inspiration, you know, um, from the roots because we, uh, another one, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, so all this stuff I've learned and I, I have quite a collection of little books and plans and I love little boats. Um, uh, I'm not sure why it is that I like the smaller boats better. Maybe, you know, more projects, more, more ways to try things. Um, But yeah, I'm really, really passionate about uh, trying to find a way that we can still do this in the future. Yeah. And what I've done with with kits and I actually, my little clinker kits, they're all parametric grasshopper formulas now, which is a bit weird. (laughs) Uh, As far as boats go, it gets pretty far away from the tradition of lofting them and fairing them on a wall to have them run through a parametric formula. Um, But it's got to be precise. You know, if you're going to do it on the computer, then you've got to do every detail. Otherwise, I'm better off doing it by hand. I found a long time ago that the half measure of doing just part of it on the computer uh, means you end up spending more time on it.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing about
3: good design. We were talking about that last week, how um, you can spend
0: so much time on that design process when you you bring the computer in. Um, Do you find now doing it on com on computer that
3: you run that risk yeah yeah i mean i'm passionate about what i do and that that'll happen to anyone who has a real passion for what they do because yeah you you could you could stop and um but the i feel like the moment you stop adding details and drawing is the moment you kind of just sort of say all right well that's good enough and then is good enough ever good enough when you're making something. There's always, as a maker, when you make something, there's always things you regret as you go. And the computer allows you the ability to go back and change it. Mm.
0: So and so it's
3: really hard at what point, because you do, you have a deadline. You have to cut this part and you have to put it on the boat and you have to start. But but you, you still want to go, well, what if I do it this way? Or what if I do it that way? So it is a, an abyss to which you can fall into, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's hard. Some projects are going to go, right, well, you know, it doesn't matter.
1: It's it's done now,
2: so yeah. let's move on. Yeah. yeah. Like Robin, and a finished boat is would, always better
3: than an unfinished one.
1: This would totally blow your mind, the scripting in Grasshopper that generates the plank. Is it the plank set out?
3: Yeah, it's mainly, my, my real love is like what you would call clinker. So the overlapping edges of the planks are glued together. And it always kind of frustrated me traditional plank layouts didn't really tend to adapt to modern material if we're going to build these boats in the future they're going to be built of plywood and some people say that's sacrilegious (laughs) but plywood is great you can still fit out the rest of the boats with timber and you can still have a lot of fun with that but you know you really should be designing for the material and and taking maximum advantage of that you know that goes from plank lengths to the styling of the planking Um, and i believe when a boat's in the water you should probably see most of the planking traditional plankings really about a division of the circumference over the maximum width you can fit you know which is right. to do with the stock you have but plywood unleashes mm-hmm. that
2: mm-hmm. so would well, you um, so did you think plywood boats uh, I don't want to say better or worse but obviously it's a, there's there's got to be a, a benefit in terms I can imagine from cost purely from cost especially if it's a kind of a kit set type thing well got availability to, alone to be, is the bigger issue yeah um, okay.
3: And a lot of people, when they come to build boats, what they really want to be doing is planing a big old block of human pine and <laughs>
1: right. smelling yeah. you know, the shavings. That's what they see themselves yeah. doing. So you've got to yeah. try to
3: still have a bit of that kind of you know, romance to it. But at the same time, you say, well, you don't need to touch all these power tools. The machines cut it all out. Just assemble it. So there's a lot of beveling and block planing and you know, all that sort of stuff. People right. get into it. And then, you know, as you get closer to the finish, then there's, you know, the sanding and painting and the sanding and painting. And boats is pretty bad for that. Hmm. But yeah. we all enjoy the woodworking of it. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good challenge to try to mitigate how far is too far. And, you know, um, having clients in who aren't experienced and you can see, having spent years with people who aren't familiar with building, that uh, there is the, almost like the finishing spiral um, diminishing returns. So protection versus perfection. And everyone wants to build perfect, but it's like, well, I can put a dollar sign on what a perfect boat is versus you just finishing it and going having a great time. Because mm. the moment you take this thing out, you're going to walk on it. You're going to drag it up the beach. You're going to put it on a metal trailer. You're going to beat it with a chain. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, it's always, yeah, I'm always yeah. very proud when people actually say, yep, right, this is finished. I'm going to go boating. Mm. God forbid.
2: Yeah, because uh, boats are very utilitarian. I mean, It's, it's meant it's to have a purpose. A, um, yeah. That's right. They're treated like furniture.
3: They're treated like art. Yeah. But at the same time, they've got to be rugged. They've got to be tough. But they've got to look yeah. great, particularly wooden boats. Yeah. So uh, you, before you mentioned
2: deadline, I'm interested. I've, I've always kind of wondered how, especially it sounds like you don't have a massive crew, um, I've mostly, uh, that,
3: yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing. It's uh, it's an impossible thing to quote because yeah. <laughs> there are so many so many details and unknowns. And I hope to get to a better position where I can I can you know have the reassurance of the clients where I say, look, you know, I want to do a good job for you. I'm going to look after you. But please, God, don't ask me to put a price on it. Mm. Yeah, right. Because so, some of this stuff yeah. just never ends. And the more you, uh, particularly with restorations or fix-up work the um, the moment you it's like a woolen jumper you pull that thread a knitted woolen jumper and it just keeps going boats is renowned for project creep so i I tend to try to go for more newer boats and small boats and hopefully new builds um things that i can draw on the computer Mm. and so having deadlines is is a very tricky thing and i'm I'm trying to get better at it and now i have more help because i've had people help me over the years but i've only in the last year got my actual first apprentice. Okay. So that's that's a very novel thing for me. And immediately after he signed up, his TAFE evaporated. So I don't know what the deadline on his apprenticeship is, but there's zero training over the last year. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor boy. Yeah, but right. he's you know he's keen and passionate. But yeah, so trying to trying to get projects done is always a challenge um, because it takes one small detail on a coat of varnish or paint, um, and it's ruined. And the other part of that is that all the materials take so long most of the paints for marine things they take like a good 12 hours for they stop being sticky they got to flow and they got to be tough and then you need like a dozen coats of varnish inside a boat and then it's like oh my god you know all those details all those planks all that wood i put in all these you know surface undulations i've got to not let drips form (laughs) yeah it can be pretty challenging
2: are you um so so what's the kind of a timeline are you building one New boat in a year? or Well, 10 this is the thing, you know, if I was
3: into production, um, it would be a very different story. And, and to sate my desires on answering those questions and having everything down to a precise <laughs> spreadsheet, I started another yeah. business accidentally, um, which is purely like sort of manufacturing where we build ant farms. It's a bit weird, but, you know, we design these things and I use the same machines and, and it's all about production and lean manufacturing. And it's enjoyable because it's completely yeah. different from the boats. And so, all sorry, you can do sorry, is have experience and farm, boats.
0: as in like a little kids and farm that they can get into. Yep, that's yep. awesome. <laughs> that's such yeah, a cool it's a bit. Thing. Wild,
3: yeah. bit different. Um, but someone's gonna make it. <laughs> it's just yeah, you know, ants Yeah, gotta somewhere. Yeah, boat stands <laughs> farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Particularly one of the one of the main materials used in that is is. Um, uh, what do they call Hebel, you know, aerated concrete. Oh, yeah. Which, which is yeah. a very weird material for a boat builder to be building things with. Yeah. So But yeah, so deadlines are an, an impossible thing. And when someone comes to us and they first say, I want to build a boat or I want you to build a boat. Um, and it's like, all right. Well, send me some pictures of what you're thinking, what you want, you know. And then, and then we can start talking about it. Because, you know, when someone comes to you and says, I want a bookshelf and they wave their hands around, you don't really know how you're going to say all right <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> you know uh with boats um and there's always the triangle of compromise which is sail row and power and wherever you like throw the dart in that is a compromise amongst the other uses um because mm. yeah boats is a bit of a funny funny thing. people think that they're kind of like cars and you can say you can fit three people in it or four people in it but yeah, it's a very different concept because of the way they have to balance in the water and they have to balance the forces of the sailing and is it going to have an outboard on the back? You know, where does this, what happens with the weight? You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. When they come to us and they say, I want to build a boat, you say, well, why would you? That's the first question because <laughs> you could go out and you could buy something off Gumtree and not use that just as much. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of reasons and... um quite often the reason is because people need a personal development project or they've have a tragedy in their life and they're working as a family to overcome it and this is this is part of the process it's a form of healing um so that's something i really i'd really like to do more of but it's really hard to find time sort of being you know overrun by myself with my own endless you know project creeps and timelines but but doing classes is, is why I've spent all those years, like over 10 years, developing kits that are really efficient and don't require dangerous power tools for amateurs to use, mm-hmm. um, because there's so much but, that could be learned in these processes.
2: How does a class typically run? I mean, presumably you're making like a small skiff or, or boat. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: so you, you line five or six projects up, um, you have all the parts ready to go, you, you ask all the questions up front so they know what's going on, and then couple of evenings a week they come in and on a saturday um they can do free build time and the idea is yeah sort of 12 weeks down the track you've built a, a classic but modern stable little boat um and we That's we awesome. we'd sometimes do the canoe classes and those stitch and glue canoes go together in about five or six days that quickly um, yeah yeah well everything's worked out see the computer does it yeah. you know tabs and, <laughs> and start slots and stuff and there's some interesting um, techniques. You know, there's lots of different ways to build a boat. And this is an important part of the question of why people want to build a boat. Um, you know, because there's, there's a lot of woodwork that you could be doing that you don't need to do. Different styles, strip planking, cold molding. Yeah, you, some people want to go full traditional, but the problem with traditional boats is um, they need to stay wet. You take them out of the mm. water, they, they tear themselves apart as they dry out, but then you put them in the water and they rot. So it's a bit of a thing. We, we, we tend to sort of steer most of the people because people, people don't really have the time to use or maintain old wooden boats and that's really their primary job. Um, so we tend to push them towards the plywood hulls, which, which, you know, laminating everything together with epoxy in the joints and sealing it up, everything gets a coat of epoxy before the varnish and before the primer. So these things are encapsulated so that the boats we build now will outlive me. You know, I don't know where the end life is for epoxy.
2: Have you um, effectively redesigned the wheel by the way no, you're going I'm, about boat building? I
3: don't think I'm a, a particularly original person. There's lots of options out there and lots of things. It's just that um, I've, I've had my entire life to obsess over the small details of specific things um yeah. and i mean you, you know you see it's a tricky thing because there are other people with kits and designs out there and you never really want to infringe on someone but when you draw a canoe it's like there's only so many styles of canoe when you build a table how different do you have to make this table versus all the other okay. tables before it so originality is a, a tricky thing because i find yeah. that you know the projects people are want to put into it what they see and what they've been inspired by by the things they've liked so every project's a culmination of personal taste um and and you can walk around the workshop and you can point out different details and you can say to people look you know you might want something like this or you know if you want to play with steam bending then we could do that or you know we don't have a big enough garage to keep it this is the other question you know (laughs) your table goes in a living room and you're going to use it but where does a boat live most of its life and last thing you want to do is have it out in the water and with that in mind when
0: it comes to the trailer what do you guys do is that something that you would dabble in as well
3: is that job? no no well we'll fit a trailer for a boat Mm. and we'll make like custom bunks for it to sit on or or we'll choose rollers or something but everything now is is hot dip galvanized um and the lead times now are well over a year so Recently, I did the silliest thing I could do as a a wooden boat builder and I acquired an old wooden boat (laughs) for (laughs) myself and I'm currently taking everything out of it completely. So it's just a raw hull and rebuilding it. I don't know why I did this to myself and it needed a trailer, you know, and I looked at all these things and I was like, holy crap, the the prices have doubled, Um, availability, you know, if something you order now might turn up this time next year and so you know i find broken ones off Gumtree. and luckily the neighbor's a good welder and i'll get it regaled and that'll sort me out but for something for the clients um for some of the more uh, interesting boats nothing on the market will suit so you'll have to have one custom fabricated by a manufacturer otherwise for a lot of little boats the jet ski trailers do all oh, right and they're a dime a dozen people are always breaking their jet skis so there's always a trailer <laughs> kind of made um, for that yeah Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as long as you, yeah, as long as you, you know, change the the hard metal and um, hard plastic skids they put on it, which punch holes in your boat, if you, you know, put something soft there, it tends to be fine. But availability is a real issue, like proper timber for traditional boats. You know, when we build, we technically build a lot of composite boats. Um, not full traditional. We we you know we we take a bunch of different styles and we combine it to make our own meal. Basically, different different details depending on what people want. But it's all technically composite, um, which leads to it having a much longer stable life. Pretty much maintenance free. The only maintenance you'd have to do on a, one of these sort of little boats is um, I don't know if you damage it with your while you're beating it with a chain on the beach and sailing it, then you might need to. You know, update the varnish, but generally, right. yeah, and it's this difficult thing about finding a new way to do things, but not destroying where it came from and why we did it. And by coming up with new techniques, I hope that these rapid builds of these, these little clinker boats and stuff like that can inspire people to think about why they're done this way. Mm. And it sh- I'm hoping, I don't know, but these sort of things should be a lead into uh, more research about the more classic methods and appreciation for that sort of work. But it's it's a hard thing to, to judge when boats take so long to build, uh, you know, traditional boats, material scarcity is any real issue.
2: Are there, like, here in New Zealand, there's a fairly, there's a pretty good uh, boat-building industry, but it's all modern stuff and everything's being shipped off to whoever's got the crazy amounts of cash to have these some of the built. best
3: modern boats are built in New Zealand. Most of the best ones are actually, particularly the performance ones, sailboats yeah. and stuff. And, they all come and from New
2: Zealand. We, we kind of hear it all the time here. And so it just becomes, okay, yeah, we make boats and most people don't think much else of it, but obviously that's not traditional boats. I doubt there's anyone doing handmade boats like is there still there must be somewhere that's actually making wooden boats of a decent size for some reason even if it's just for um, pirates there's, teaching there's a <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> of places around
3: um, and yeah there's a few organisations around like there's the the various tall ships around Australia and around the world that are maintained by large um, you know groups of volunteers for doing full traditional boats but all those boats are I don't know. We're sort of. I feel like in Australia we don't we don't really support that kind of maritime history. Maybe because we're yeah. very young and we don't have that much tradition in that regard for yeah. you know that sort of construction. Um, there is there is a much longer history of indigenous craft, but that's that's something that is is never really sort of talked about for some reason. It's a bit of a different mm. thing. Um, but most of our inspirations come from sort of Europe and mainly America. Yeah. With the woodwork and the, the boats and these days with the the way things are costing a lot of people will import a classic American wooden boat, big power boat or something like that. And when it gets in, have a little bit of work done. There's um there is still a bit of wooden boat building. Um the little niche or sort of area I work in is is sort of like enabling uh amateurs who've never built a boat from different walks of life to build a boat. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I am. Um, down in Tasmania they run few things there's a couple of places you can do full traditional courses or maybe one one place the uh the wooden boat center down in tasmania franklin the other wooden boat center they uh, they do a great job down there and they have lots of different projects some are year-long sort of like what they call training courses but again you know it's hard to get accreditation and anything boat related for some reason um huh. but yeah so there's there's a bit of it going around but you have to really search it out and a lot of the small, custom, traditional wooden boats are really built by just old dudes in garages who've managed right. to have been saving up timber for a project their whole life.
2: I, I only asked about it because I'm curious after what you, you've been saying about um, is there a... Um, has it been a, like a lack of skills? Is there a, a forgetting of the
3: traditional skills? Or is it just not in our hemisphere? Well, I guess perhaps it's something similar to blacksmithing. Right. you know it's out there some people do it they don't know because mm-hmm. they have to do it as their living but they do it because they're passionate um, and I guess it's something similar like that we don't you know it's not like we need blacksmiths in everyday life anymore we don't need wooden boats in everyday life it's, it's been replaced by you know modern freight and infrastructure and airlines and all that sort of stuff so all those those larger wooden boats aren't really necessary apart from historical um right. and it's really you know the the wealthiest of the australians who can afford a wooden boat um and generally they'll be large wooden boats so there's a small category there of like the the, the DIYs that used to happen a lot more so just about anyone who walks into the place talks about they remember building with their father or their their grandfather a little boat in the backyard but just as much as all the backyards have disappeared so has that level of sort of <laughs> diy um
2: that's a good point it's it's very different people don't have the space anymore they don't have the
3: space um and people don't have any time and on the weekends we're far busier i I think than we've ever been before and it kind of feels like we achieve less but be endlessly busy
2: (laughs) that's strange because you know i think i feel like um there was the same kind of thing happening with furniture making in that Oh, people pottery
3: had a huge revival about for a period. There. Well, yeah. All crafts, all crafts really had a big step up, um, uh, and it's like furniture it's making. Changed. Yeah, well, furniture making had this lull, and then I think
2: YouTube came about and changed it. Yeah, that's that's and, a good point. And now there's a lot of people inspired by what you were saying earlier about that idea, where you actually make something with your hands, you end up with something. Yeah, and it's obviously way quicker as well, so that that reward is much it comes much quicker but boat building you actually do need like at least a single garage to, to be building something in yeah you've um, got to
3: dedicate the space for a prolonged period of time and then when it's finished you've you've got a boat you know yeah, what do you, what do, you yeah. do with that
1: yeah <laughs> talk talk us through your kits next so like your kips your sorry is it skiffs no what clinker boats so you do a kit yeah, for those just, just, and you I do could... a kit for uh canoes as well
3: Most of the kit work I actually do is I take um, designs from other... People come and see me and they say, I want to build a boat. Okay, well, well, here's the options. And they'll say, I really like this design. I say, sure, we can build that. Okay, either I can give you the sheets and you can draw it out and cut it yourself or I can pop it on the computer. So I don't advertise it because they're not my designs, but I do actually spend a large percentage of my time redrawing other designers mm-hmm. or other concepts and making them into a more accessible build format hmm. um not that i would ever say i do it because hey yeah. you know it's uh their custom you know I, I take the view that if you choose to build it with a handsaw, you can do that if you choose to build it with a circular saw you can do that if you choose to use a cnc machine you can do that you know and this is this is the difficult part when i'm basically designing market-ready kits for someone else's design.
0: They, mm. People get
3: pretty worried about that. Um, and I think everyone's very cagey about that information and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I guess, I guess, you know, but um, technology moves so fast that um, I think that a lot of people, I'm pretty young for my industry. I think a lot of people in this industry are pretty old um, and most of them aren't even qualified, particularly in the amateur field. Most of the designers are just experience-based designers. Um, And so it's all hard-fought sort of information that they're protecting. But I find that, yeah, everything's a bit different. Everyone wants their own fluffy dice on their project, and I'm happy to draw it on the computer for them and make various improvements based on what I do. So I offer kits and stuff. And for me, the most difficult part of all this and why I don't push them really like I should as a product is I love making. I'm really good at drawing and, and making and building with people in the workshop. But if I was to package a kit and send it out, I have a real fear that I can't help them the way they need help. I, and, and the effort that goes into, you mentioned videos and stuff. I really need to make a video series on my system, how I build and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really hard to sort of justify the time to do that in the daily flow of things, um, being that, you know, now I, now I have two guys working with me, um, yeah, one's an apprentice, it's, it's really hard to be like, okay, well, we're going to spend half our time building a boat for ourselves and videoing it. Would
2: that... To me, it seems like there's a huge benefit if you can sell somebody a kit and then send them a copy of the video and say, this is a step-by-step. This should answer like yeah. 80% of your questions just from viewing it Yeah. Um, step-by-step. Yeah. So you maybe you might spend a week
3: or two weeks doing I'm the afraid slow build version. a boat's a lot longer to build than that well okay yeah. double that so whatever it is if I spend a month creating the product then yeah. then yeah I could probably do that um but the other thing and uh, the, the awful the awful truth of the matter is I don't like doing that <laughs> yeah, okay. um I it's can perfect, I <laughs> can come up with a boat I want to build I can draw it on the computer I can turn it into a kit I can cut it and I can build it and that time frame I've measured takes less than some of the, the plans I've shown you, Brian, for having to draw.
1: Yeah. Wow. You know,
3: just to draw a fully detailed set of plans. Because if you're going to do a set of plans, you've got to have all the details there. I find that a far more difficult task than creating the boat. And this is, this is the thing. Right. I've got to cross my T's and dot my I's. And I have, mm-hmm. I don't know, like 30 different boats on the computer that I could build. You know, if someone came in and they wanted one of them, of my own design you know ignoring all the others that aren't and uh, yeah I just I just really you know um, love building and it's hard to say for me yeah, how far is far enough of the learning process as well is there a better way to do this and it's really interesting as I've gotten older you know um, having an attitude being fairly young and you know I'm only 33 now but I've kind of been doing this sort of most of my life um, my, my uh, style and my, my ethics about, um, like, you could design a boat entirely out of plywood and make it all locked together and all that sort of stuff, but then are you really building a boat? <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, I've sort of, like, stepped back a little bit on that, um, and I'm trying to keep a bit more of the romance and a bit more of the boat into the boat designs I do now because it used to be about making it the fastest with the least material, and, and it was interesting because, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not... But you don't build a wooden boat in your garage because you need a boat tomorrow mm. or because you're going to cut corners on, you know, um, materials or anything like that. So it's been a real learning process, and, and how far do I go before I learn? And I guess, and this is, this is something I think that's in the family too, is we have a real fear of... Um, not having things done perfectly maybe i'm a bit of a control freak over things so you know once once i once i finish that kit and finish it and send it out there and i do the video then that's what it is right that's that's what it becomes that's what it is i'll never in my life have another chance to to do that 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 project
2: yeah and and that will happen
3: that'll happen and i'm getting to it (laughs) but i don't think i've really ever been at that point um and I'm, I'm still learning i'm still learning yeah, yeah. you know and yeah it's it's hard for me to judge how far is far enough or how far is too far mm. you know i can tell on a project on the workshop floor but all, all the designs that i pull myself into you know, how many details are unnecessary or you know is this a faster way to do it yeah yeah there's the you know mm. the design the design spiral on the kits because there's as my own product, I'm. I should be more professional, I suppose, and actually set aside as an actual project to be developed and finished, and have deadlines and goals. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, when I've I've done a, a day's work and I want to do something that I feel passionate about, and you know, reward myself, I'll get on the computer and I'll draw these things, or I'll I'll you know do something in the workshop. So they've fallen back as a pro, sort of more of a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's funny actually thinking about it. Now I think about it it's it's exactly why people come to me. I use my <laughs> yeah. boats as a form of therapy from my boats.
1: It's from an outsider's oh, perspective dear. like and we talk to so many of our guests about the importance of like diversifying income streams so you can have your passion projects which are kind of somewhat subsidized by other income into the business and yeah from me looking at the way you work and you're saying that the kits aren't really your number one passion that you would rather take on something like the ant farms and it's just production work and just smash it out and then that allows you to do your passion your proper passion
3: i accidentally project. fell into that and that that yeah that was a good thing that was about the only thing that kept me solvent during the uh the big l's in um, mm-hmm. Right. in melbourne the fact that uh, as a, an amateur boat center where most of our clients are sort of senior you know we had two years of lockdowns and it's like the first few ones i i kept trying to reorganize classes and get people in but after that we just ended up having to be shut for the whole time and uh, all i did was you know um do manufacturing at home you know going in when i could do a bit and then take it home and i did myself some rsi injuries from just pumping out these ant farms. Everyone must've been at home thinking, what can I do? I need an ant farm, that's what. <laughs> um, and it just overtook my life. Um, and I've been trying to claw back my boat life ever since. Um, and it's it's getting a balance and that's that's finding its way out of my hands into someone else's who, who will who'll take it further. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of lessons learned in it because the ant farms were uh, iterative design. They were small. They were quantifiable. There was no actual client. They went. I had a wholesaler that I'd sell it to one place, Um, and so it was. It was yeah, purely. I don't know. It was a completely different thing, and that's. But I think it's a really clever,
1: strategic decision. It's like, I personally would rather even just do jobs like dressing timber for trade or dressing for DIYers. Who don't have the facilities to do it themselves, I would rather do that than make bad furniture. Yeah. Like if somebody comes to me with a design and says, I want this, I want nothing else, I want this. I would rather just do the dressing job because it occupies far less space in your head.
3: Yeah, um, that's that's an So interesting I think it's a point. really, really smart business move. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's something I really need to, to sort out. I'm in a bit of a transient period now as we're sort of adjusting to life after lockdowns and um, having a few stuff, you know, hit full time. I've hit a, a few projects, um, actual builds of boats and stuff like that, and it's going, it's going pretty well. Um, we've got a, yeah, a few projects, and I'm putting all sort of my time and, and energies into that so I can kind of establish more... I guess, professional boat building, but very small and, and serviced, I guess, for the client. We give them something they can't get anywhere else. And yeah, ultimately, a good decision, I think, for the business is something like plans. Once, mm. you, once you put the time into it, and you put it up online and all that sort of stuff. And again, you know, doing video content for kits, then you can sell kits, but mm-hmm. without, without having the proper support for people, I'd be unwilling to unleash a product. And I learned that through ants. It was really, something, and people didn't quite understand it, and it was a, a bit of a schmozzle. Yeah.
1: Killed a lot of ants.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that <laughs> happened. So you learn, you learn. But um, yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, I think you know, a plans catalog and yep. and a finished line of products. And the thing, the thing that I'm, I'm would rather have is, is I'd rather not be the front man with this sort of stuff. I'll be honest. So I've designed the kits, and I keep the whole of the, the range of different boats are, I'm building up as as pretty much the same system so that anyone who builds any one of the boats can build any one of the other boats. Hmm. Um, and That's it becomes thing. almost like a franchising idea that someone can come in and I can train them, maybe they're the teachers for schools or, you know, at men's sheds or something, and then I can just ship them kits and they can bring in local area people and because not everyone can travel boats take a long time they they have to be built locally where people are and ultimately yeah yeah the, you know it, I'm very passionate about little boats and everyone else should be building them not necessarily me but <laughs> you know it's uh I, I guess I overindulge in in designing new things and uh yeah making sure things are built in the workshop now is a priority
2: it sounds like you don't you sound possibly a bit like me where you don't like to do the same thing more than once Yeah apart from the ants
3: Well but that's the funny thing with ants isn't it every time I did it <laughs> I'd look for another way that I wouldn't have to spend as long doing it Right And it became really efficient but you know it's uh, yeah I can't stand it I'd rather let that business die than make another ant farm
0: You can't see yourself <laughs> yeah.
3: becoming yeah. one of the ants doing a menial job It's just it's like this perfect oh, it's ironic uh, It's yeah <laughs> But, yeah, if you want to check it out, that's um, was, it, was it Oz Ants, I think. That's, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm really hoping after well, that we have no more lockdowns, but after that, that um, I can clear the workshop floor from all the projects that have, you know, project creeps way out of line. Half of them are mine, unfortunately. <laughs> but the, v- the um,
1: variation of the projects that are in your workshop are not... Like the scale differences, I, there's nothing that's, there's no two things that are the same at all in your entire yeah, workshop, are
3: there? That's, that's probably the attempt as well of me to try to do more kits and classes with kits. Yep. Like tradition, my grandfather would just say, hey, Tuesday, Thursday night, come down and build whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made things really hard. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, the challenge was always great. And yeah, yeah, I really, really miss having him in the workshop there. Um, You know, he was a really good influence. Um. So yeah, it's uh, I feel like I should have learned more from him about business while I had the opportunity, but uh, I was on the sander. So so hey.
0: Well, we're coming up to time, so uh, let's just do one more run through of all the different socials, Nick, that uh, people can can go to to find you. So on Instagram, what are they? Yeah. what should they be looking for? Uh,
3: Nick Atkins, boat builder.
0: Cool. And then what were the the, the
3: Very long name for the website that you mentioned earlier. Ah, the Victorian Wooden Boat Centre. Victorian Wooden Boat Centre. Yeah, there's not many wooden boat centres around, so (laughs) (laughs) you should be able to find us. Yeah, right. Oh, cool. All
2: right. Well, that was super interesting. Yeah, man. I feel like we could go on and on and on. Oh yeah. This could uh, be a long
3: one. uh, Yeah. It's, uh, you gotta got to keep me focused. There's, uh you know, like I said, wooden boats, hey, once you pull that plank off, you don't know how many more will come with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: just so cool, yeah. chatting to makers from completely different industries, you know. Yeah, there's furniture makers out there that steam bend and things, but it's just such a different industry. Like, the lead times of projects being, like, five, ten years is just... Mm. Mind-boggling for us to yeah, comprehend. Yeah, it's
3: it is it is a bit troublesome. Um, I have some projects that have been around too long, and uh, they will be finished this year. <laughs> um, I got some good help for it, so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's uh... cool. All right, well,
0: yeah, thanks again, Nick. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, yep, thank you, thank you for having me. All the best with the right oh, the ant farms and whatever else comes out next.
3: Uh, well, I'm hoping to do just boats, so I shouldn't really talk about the ant farms. Though. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay. All to, part of the process. Focus again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Stop diversifying.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks very much for listening. Take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. See ya. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. Yeah, that was that was wild.